about the gospel is. Our Lord came to this world and He told us, if you just come to me and you say you are sorry, it's okay. But come to me. And that's what we did. We came to the Lord and said, Lord, my life is not what you ask of me for it to be. But I'm sorry, but I will try. And what does the Lord do? He says, come, my child. Come. You came to me with, broken, with your broken life. I will help to heal. You are still my child.
<laughs> Thank you, Sam. That was beautiful. What a blessing to have you. Take my life and let it be. Will you please pray with me? Strange thing this is to come to church and then to sit here and to bow our heads and to pray to a God that no one can see. That's maybe the reason why the world thinks we are sort of strange and weird. Sometimes mocks us and laughs at us. Tell us we've got this imaginary friend. But we came to this church this morning because we know that you are God, that you are real. We came to this place and we bow our heads because we know that we are speaking to someone that's actually listening to us. If we look at the history of this world, and we look at the history of the church, and we look at the stories of people, we can see how God has moved through time and history. And you will not stop to move because you will get your kingdom work done. Today we come to you and we thank you that we can be a part of this. Here we are on the corner of these two streets. And still through this congregation, you have done, my, done mighty things in the lives of people because it's God at work, God touching, that needs to be touched. But we came to this place, Lord, not only that the world may know we believe, we came here because we would like you to talk to us and share with us what you would like us to know about you. So I pray, O oh Lord, that what I need to share today will be from you. That as we leave this place later on, that we will feel, no, we will know who God is, what God asks of us, and how we can serve you better. To think that you are with us in this place, that God created heaven and earth, the universe, the galaxies above us, with us. How can this world ever stop us? Amen. Yeah, that's not part of our life. So if you ever hang out with little ones, you will know that that's part of what they do. Very soon as they start to grow up, they will start to push your hand away and say, I want to do it self, that self thing, you know. And it normally ends up in a mess because they have no clue what they are doing, you know. And then this little one wants to carry a full glass of water and you say you can't and they say self and they go and then you know what happens then next. And that continues as we watch little ones grow up. And I apologize, but it's not only little ones, it, it's you and me because we did this when we were younger, isn't it? It's not that we were born old. Uh, we did the same thing. But as they grow a little bit older, then we get the vortex. We get the ultimate of independence. And that is when we hit our teenage years. You know, this teenage years, um, that is being discussed and, uh, and, 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 and written about by most psychologists trying to figure out exactly what happens with a, with a human when they become a teenager. Why is it that you think that you know enough about life after 16 years of living that you do not need any advice from anyone ever anymore? You've got it. You've got life by the handles. It reminds me just of the story of this young man who came to his dad and he was 16 or so. He said, Dad, I would like to have a car. Dad said, okay, we can talk about this, but first you need to cut your hair because he had very long hair and it was a thing between him and his dad. 
The son thought for a moment. He said to his dad, well, Jesus had long hair. And the dad said, yeah, but he walked wherever he, wherever he went. So, <laughs> Independence. That's what we are seeking. For no one to tell us what to do. And I think you heard in the news a week or so ago that 15 teenagers on a plane caused a, plane to be can- a flight to be canceled. Because they refused, to li- they refused to listen to what the stewardess was telling them to wear masks. And they decided to have this little revolt in the plane. Yelling and saying, we will not do what you're asking of us to do. And so the flight had to be canceled to, bar- to the Bahamas. Because this 15 kids that were just graduated from high school thought they could tell the world how it should be done. The first declaration of independence, well, let me just say, we are all trying to cut out our path. You know, that's that song, my way. You know, I want to do my own thing. But the first declaration of independence you and I will find in the Bible. You know the story extremely well. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of all the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took off its fruit, ate, and she also gave to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. A declaration of independence. That's what happened here. God said to Adam and Eve, Hey man, all of these things are for you. This whole garden that I have planted, all, every single thing is there for your desire to enjoy, but that one is mine, just leave it alone. Leave that one thing alone. Only one out of all of these things. Leave it alone. That became a magnet. A magnet that pulled Adam and Eve towards the tree. Now Satan played a huge role in this by telling this huge lie that you will not die in all these nonsense that he told him. But the long and the short is when Adam and Eve stood there, they had a choice to decide, a choice to either obey God or not. And that's the same kind of this choice that we have on a daily basis. You know, God says, I give you a lot of stuff in this world, but certain things, just leave it alone. It's mine. And I'll tell you, in a sense, why you need, need to leave it alone. And then what happened when Adam and Eve ate? God drove them out of the garden. And east of the garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and a sword flaming and turning to God the way to the tree of life. And chaos entered our lives. And struggle entered our lives. And sadness and suffering and all these horrible things that surround us entered our lives because we declared ourselves independent from God. In a sense, we pushed God's hand away and said, Hey God, we think we can do this by ourselves. We have lived enough life and we know enough of this life that we do not really need you as God to guide us anymore. And then we get upset when things start to go wrong and then we blame God for all the trouble that we are in. I'm actually busy with this series on getting closer to God. I started, I think, a few months ago. I think that's the main quest for people in this life, is to try to move closer to God, to God. even though I've been worshiping God and serving God all my life. I always need to get back to God. A while ago, we went to the ocean, and you know, um, the water will constantly move you around. You know, um, we sort of, our body surface, my kids and I, so we swim a little bit deeper than the normal people would. And I always told my kids when they were younger, if you are deep in the ocean, you always need to find yourself a marker behind you that you align yourself up to. So that when the current moves you to the left or right, that you know where you are. And especially in South Africa where there's a lot of rocks and it can be the surface a little bit more dangerous than here. 
You need to align yourself with something beyond you. So you constantly look back and make sure you are not drifting, because if you drift, you can end up where there are rocks or get off the sandbank or whatever. That's true about life and us and God also, isn't it? I'm a pastor. So everybody thinks, because I'm a pastor, I'm automatically on autopilot towards God. I'm so sorry, that's not true. There's no difference between you and me. My job is different, but I'm the same guy as you guys are. The world distracts me. And all of the stuff that happens with me around me distracts me, and I sometimes discover, man, it's been a while since I really had a good chat with respect with God. Because I'm doing all these kinds of things that may be godly or seems to be godly or seems to be worshipful, but am I still close to God in the midst of all the work that I'm doing for God? That's what, that is what happens with a lot of families. From the outside, they look amazing. They've got this amazing relationship, and then you find out that, that there's now a divorce happening, and all say, what happened there? How is it possible? They looked so okay. And what happened was that the relationship became a functional one, and not an emotional, intimate one anymore, where there was a connection. And they started to drift. And they sort of drifted so far away that they could not find each other anymore. So in our quest to be close to God, it means an effort. It means that I need to do something to get closer to God. And then as a base, I use this book, The Celebration of Life. Now, if you want to really do this book, you need to come to the Sunday school class that Todd is teaching about this. I've told you, I just loosely base my sermons on what's in this book. I sort of just take the theme and I run with it in that direction. So I, uh, I'm not always that close to what the book is teaching. But what this book is teaching us to get close to God is that there are certain inward disciplines that we need to have. And I've talked about all of these things in the past. It's to be with God. I spoke to you about, a little bit about medical, biblical meditation. But, yeah. to, speak, to speak with God, uh, to have time with God, to learn from God. That's a form. It should be a from. To learn from God. And now, our outward disciplines. The things that we need to do outwardly. And I spoke for three Sundays about the kingdom of God. And part of understanding what the kingdom of God means is that our life will become simple because we are focused on His kingdom. Today, submission. When I hear the word submission, that is what comes to mind for me. I see an animal chained to a tree or something that start to shiver when a human comes by and may even wet himself out of fear. I've seen this countless of, lives, countless of times in my life in South Africa where people would really abuse and misuse their animals. And this is what comes to mind. When I hear the word submission is that there's a chain around my neck and I need to be so fearful that I almost can't live and almost can't breathe. And the sad thing is that people then would quote from the Bible the following, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Submit yourselves, in First Peter, for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Slaves, obey your earthly masters and everything, and do it, not only when their eyes on you to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. 
how many times have these texts been abused and misused? How many times have people used these texts to actually do the most cruel and wrong and hurt and harmful thing to other humans? And then they would sometimes quote the Bible and say, well, it's in the Bible that you need to submit yourself to me because I'm the one that's here in control. The Bible abused for the sake of what we need, what we think is right, what we think is good. So when the Bible talks about submitting myself, I asked myself, so, so what does it actually mean? And then I discovered this verse. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the world, whole world, yet forfeit their soul? It's about following. Why did you come to Jesus? Why did you come to church? Why do I say I believe in Jesus? It's because I actually are saying that I'm going to follow him. And to follow him means that I trust this person is going to take me somewhere. Of course, that's what following means. Otherwise, you just sit. So following always means a movement. It means that there is progression towards a certain destiny. The Lord says, uh, Thomas asked him, Lord, where do you, uh, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how can we know the way? Then Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also from now on. You do know him and you have seen him. So the Lord starts off this conversation by saying, so, so you guys want to follow me? Then I need to ask myself the question, so where is the Lord taking me? What is the destiny or the destination? The destination is God himself. You see, that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to bring us back to God himself. Because of the separation between us and God, because of this distance between us and God, there's no way for us to get back to God after our declaration of independence without Jesus. So Jesus turns to the people walking behind him and says, I'm not only here to give you water and food and all the things that they thought he was going to give them because they were following him for the miracles. They said, man, we've got an ATM here that can provide for us all the resources we want. We need food. He gives us food. He can give us healing, everything. I don't need Obamacare or anything. I've got Jesus. Jesus says, no. You need to think why you're following me. It's God. It's God. If you want to be connected with God, it's me. The second thing that he says is, but, but what do you receive when you get God? Come to me, all of you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and I'm gentle and humble in the heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Isn't that what the world needs? Isn't that what you and I need? Is it last week that I showed you the, the statistics of how many people in our country commit suicide on a daily basis? On Monday, a lady came to see me that afternoon. She texted me and said that her son's best friend committed suicide. After I showed all the statistics on Sunday on how many young people and older people commit suicide on a daily basis, another one the next day. 
And the reason why people are doing this is because they are exhausted. Emotionally, I think, maybe physically also, socially, exhausted. Because we think this world can give to me what I need to survive, but actually this world is taking away from me what I need to survive. And at the end of the day, I'm depleted of any energy to face this world. And then there's an escape. An escape to take what is not mine. And that's my life. So here Jesus comes and he says, I'm here to give you what you are looking for. And I can't understand why people will not believe. It's the craziest thing to me that people say, I'm not interested. And the fact that God is offering us the most amazing benefit that any person in this world needs. And that is to have the peace of God. But Paul calls this a peace that the world will never understand. That God only can give us. So Jesus says, hey, you guys want to follow me? I'm not here to give you all the other things. I'm here to give you this. But to get this, you need to submit yourself. You need to deny yourself. What does deny mean? It means obedience to the word of God. Everyone who hears the words of mine and does not and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And you know the whole story of the rock. To follow his example, Jesus said, If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do, as I have done for you. So as followers of Jesus sitting in this building today, you and I need to obey the words of Jesus, the words of God, the Bible. You and I need to follow the example of Jesus, because that's why he came to this world. When Jesus came to this world, it was the biggest show and tell ever. Because he came to imitate who we are. He became human and he said, you see, I look like you guys, I talk like you guys, but I'm going to add something to it. I'm also God and I want to show you how you need to live a godly life. And therefore, he's the example of godly living. He said, when people slap you on the cheek, you turn the other cheek. He says, when people are mean and painful, uh, hurtful to you, you wash their feet. He says when people say, say all kinds of horrible things to you, you love them in a way that the world will never understand because that is what God is asking of you. And the problem is we want to negotiate this with God and say, hey God, it's fine that you ask of me to do all of these things, but those things, I'm going to slap your hand away and I'm going to do my thing and not your thing. And then we struggle. We actually don't do that well. I'm almost done. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. Second is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two depend all the law and the prophets. Why does the Lord say we need to carry a cross? Because he knows that for us to follow him, we need to sacrifice something. And what's that sacrifice? My own will. That independent streak that we all have is not to want to listen to anyone. That is what we need to sacrifice when we listen to God. Why well, I actually need to bow before God at some point in my life and say, okay, I can't push your hand away anymore. I actually need to listen to you. And start to do the things that God asks of us to do. Therefore, we can't live without reading our Bible. I can't live without seeking His will. I can't really live without trying to figure out what His plan for me is. 
a while ago, I was reading through the book of Corinth, um, Corinthians. And again, when I saw something there, I realized, this is what the Lord is asking of me, Ferdy. Something that I haven't thought about for a while now. It's, the Lord says, hey, Ferdy, you know, you also need to be very careful what this thing is in your life. You can't just, you know, be careful. Be careful. Because all of us start to drift and start to drift away from God. And there in Corinthians, Paul writes to the congregation, but no, he wrote to me. And when I read it, I went for my run, I thought, how can I now apply this thing that the Lord wants me to do? And how will I remember to stop doing this stupid thing that I sometimes do or whatever? I need to find something to remind me that the Lord asks of me to change my behavior. Because isn't that what submit means? It actually means to change. To change because of the one that I trust fully, that I am following. So what does this thing do? You see, it changes those verses I read. Uh, um, wives, submit yourself to your husbands as it is fitting to the Lord. But husbands, love your wives in the same way and do not be harsh with them in the same way that Jesus loves his church, Paul says. You see, people always say, hey wife, you need to submit yourself to me. But I don't read that part where the Lord says, hey Ferdy, you need to love your wife in the same way that Jesus loves you who died and sacrificed that his blood flew down the cross for you. Do you love your wife the same way? then she can submit herself to you because you are a godly example of who Christ is. Children, you need to obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And what does it say? Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become encouraged. You see, this is what people do with the Bible. They take pieces of it and say, you see, I can use this to beat you over the head and I can hurt and harm you with this verse. But I ignore all the other verses that talks about the living and godly living that Christ wants us to, wants us to live. Children need to be obedient to their parents, but only when parents are loving and caring. Examples of Jesus. And that thing about the slave... Masters, do the same to them. Stop threatening them, for you know that both of you have the same master in heaven. When within, well, and with him there is no partiality. You see, the Bible is trying to get all of us in line with God. In the time of Paul, people were slaves. They were all slaves of Rome. And when the Romans told them to do stuff, they had to do it. Otherwise, the Romans would just kill him. And then Paul comes, he says to the Romans, he says, but you guys are also standing in front of the same master as the slave that you are hurting and harming and abusing and misusing. You need to treat this person with respect and dignity because you are treated with respect and dignity by the master that gave you the authority over this person. So what does it mean? My final slide. He replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Self. Lord, I've lived enough, lived enough life that I think I understand 2020 or 2021 well. Lord, I think I've studied enough and I know enough about life that I think I can make good choices. Lord, I've looked around and I've seen what the other people do and I think based on my experience, I think I've got it. Then the Lord comes and He says, you've got no clue what you say. You have no idea. You need me. 
You need me because I'm the only one that can get you where you as a human needs to be, and that's to be in the presence and the garden with God. I'm the only one that can give you that, that thing that everyone is seeking, that's to have peace and joy, to have that thing to know that God has got you in His hand. And thirdly, for you to be able to get this, to have this. Hey, man, trust me. Trust me with my word, because I gave you my word and my commandments, not to full space and time, but to help you. Submit yourself to me. Be obedient to me. Not like a slave, that I'm a master, but like a child who cares deeply for his father and his mother and the family name, and know that I've got the best in mind for you as my child, that together we can get somewhere with my kingdom. Amen.